Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. And this week, we're going to think about guidance and the will of God, making decisions. Now, why would we do that during this particularly challenging season? Well, obviously, for many of us, we might find ourselves at junction moments. First of all, we've had lots of time perhaps to think about our lives over recent weeks. Well, at least some of us have. Those who have been homeschooling, of course, have had no time to think. But then for others, this is a time of change with uncertainty in business, perhaps with our jobs. And these are very, very significant challenges, I know. And so perhaps we come to a place where we have to make some decisions, some choices. And in addition to the complexity of all of that, for Christians, the question is, what does God want me to do? It's not just a question of making a choice. It's also a question of consulting with the God to whom we have given our lives. And of course, there's blessing in that. It means that we're not alone. God has purposes for our lives. But there can be complexity in that as well. How do we figure out guidance? Guidance was a word that struck sheer terror like a dagger to my heart in my early years as a Christian. In those days, things were going quite swimmingly until the day when someone mentioned this strange thing called the will of God. Having worked out that this was not a document that listed heavenly bequests from God to his relatives, I set out on a painful trek to find this will of God for my life. Believers wiser than I advised me that I would need to seek guidance. And apparently, two navigational possibilities were on offer. There was the perfect will of God, which was the spot-on, 180, bang-on-target version available to the really keen Christians. And then there was something shady called the permissive will of God, which was the careless, slightly iffy apprentices of Jesus. They would walk in that. I snorted with disdain, nothing less than the perfect version for me, I insisted. I wanted to be within the perfect will of God to the nearest yard, make that inch. So I headed immediately for the local Christian bookstore in search of assistance in those weighty matters. But unfortunately, there were lots of books about guidance on offer which presented an immediate paralyzing dilemma. You see, which book about the will of God was it the will of God for me to buy? So I wandered around the shop and abstained from eating food for at least five minutes. I thought that counted as fasting, thinking that that very miniaturized fast would bring revelation to my soul. But I couldn't decide. Several book covers looked promising, but which one was the right one? And I got confused, I got agitated, I got tense, I got paranoid. I saw the will of God as a tightrope that I had to balance on and I might just fall off. And I also got confused because I felt that somehow God had a decisive statement for me about every tiny decision of life, something that I no longer believe. Yes, it was a period of foggy confusion. I sincerely wrestled with the issue of guidance. So this week on Lucas on Life, I'm not going to be able to untangle all of that, but we can make a couple of statements about guidance that I hope will be helpful in our decision making. 
Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. And we are thinking about those times when we have to not only make decisions, but make prayerful decisions because we want to walk in the will and the purposes of God. One of the things that really messed me up in the early days of my Christian life was the unhelpful advice that the will of God would probably be what I didn't naturally want to do. It would automatically be in conflict with my own desires. Maybe you've heard that kind of statement. Don't say you don't want to be a missionary because if God hears you say that, he's going to make you. Now, let's be clear. Sometimes God's purposes for our lives call us to make decisions where there is a clash of the will. And we are not promised that the pathway that we walk will never include pain. But the will of God for our lives fundamentally is good. He has good purposes for us. Back during my days in Bible college, this idea that God's will was something you wouldn't like was fairly prevalent. We were very young and foolish back then, at least that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. A gaggle of fresh-faced Bible college students, we were sharing a six-person dormitory, and we were all really passionate about our faith, rather convinced that we had what it took to change the world by next Thursday, which of course we did not. We got along mostly quite well, although there was one occasion when two of our number almost got into a fistfight over Calvinism versus Arminianism. Hostilities ceased short of an actual punch-up, although I think that the Calvinist would have triumphed because he felt that everything, including his victory in a fight, was eternally predetermined. One of our number had two memorable characteristics. He had a deafening snore and a deep-seated fear that God was going to commission him to be a missionary to some far-flung corner of the globe. As for the snore, many nights we were awakened by what sounded like a mud-basking rhino in our room, which caused a great deal of frustration. Those kept awake wrestled with temptation to murder. But we resisted as we affirmed that smothering him with a pillow might be a slight overreaction. As for his terror about a potential calling to take the gospel to a band of distant headhunters whose idea of a tasty snack included goat entrails, he talked endlessly about his worry. His nervousness about the will of God heightened as each weekly chapel approached the likely zone for a calling to land upon him. And if the chapel speaker was a missionary, his fear factor shot through the roof. He talked about his phobia a great deal. And so one night, when his snoring sounded like a Harley Davidson revving up in our room, we decided to play a little trick. He was in deep sleep as we gathered around his bed. For about 10 minutes, the five of us whispered the same sentence over and over, go to the mission field, go to the mission field. 
Our hope was that the repetition would seep into his subconsciousness and we were not disappointed. The next morning, the words having penetrated his head, he was in a panic meltdown. Guys, last night I had the same dream and I heard voices calling me. I think the calling is actually happening. This is terrible. We stayed silent and let him suffer, payback for our insomnia. Now, you might think that our little joke was rather cruel, but then you didn't have to share a room with a large revving motorcycle or the equivalent thereof. But his concern points to a very real problem. How many of us Christians say that we love Jesus, but sharing our lives with him makes us feel continuously uneasy and on edge? This idea that the will of God would probably be the opposite of something that we might want to do, as if God delights in dreaming up plans for us that we'd find unpalatable, that concerned me greatly back then because I was going out with a very attractive young lady whom I loved, but now, if the will of God for me was surely what I wouldn't want, then logic said that probably the Lord would want me to say goodbye to her. And that warped thinking nearly cost me the relationship that has led to a 42-year marriage. Of course, as I said earlier, God may well call us to do the difficult and the awkward. And as our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church know all too well, even follow a pathway that leads to prison or death. We're not promised an easy ride. But let's know today that whatever we're called to, we are utterly loved by him, totally secure in him, and that what he does for and with us is rooted in his stunning kindness and grace. And as for that snoring, reluctant missionary from our dormitory, well, despite his calling coming from us, a giggling, whispering group who gathered around his bedside, he has served with distinction and success as a missionary for the last 40 years or so, planting many churches and opening schools in remote areas. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We told him about the trick we'd played on him later that day. He never did get a missionary call, but this much is true. And no kidding, God's love for us is perfect, and we are invited to rest easy in that love. And that's a calling that is very, very real. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Justin Welby. Part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Listen to the full interview with Justin Welby now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcast from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. We're thinking about the will of God, God's purposes for our lives, a really complex subject, really broad and one that I can't begin to do justice here. But I hope these thoughts are helpful as we consider the truth that God's will for us is good. But let's know too that we will also walk in the purposes of God, not only as we seek, if you like, subjective guidance, but as we look at the solid, unchanging guidance that we find in Scripture. Because there are certain inviolable commands that God has revealed in Scripture that are not going to change. It's never going to be the will of God for us to steal from our neighbour, to cheat, to blaspheme, to gossip to intentionally wound others. 
In other words, God's will is in his word. The question is, will we follow those instructions? I think it's a trait that I inherited from my late mother. I loved her dearly, but she never followed instructions, directions or recipes. That meant that when concentrated washing powder came on the market, she fed the machine with the same amount of snowy white granules as before, resulting in a seriously frothy kitchen with us kids sloshing around up to our armpits in suds. And my mum was rather sniffy about recipes too, preferring to trust her own culinary instincts, which would have been fine had she had any culinary instincts. Some of the dishes she created missed their calling. So gut-wrenchingly, and I use those two words literally, were they, I thought that they might have been weaponized. Current concerns about the military capabilities of Iran would have been resolved very easily if my mum had been let loose with a cooker and an apron. The mere threat of her custard would have brought any aggressors to their knees immediately, which would have been great except that the custard itself would pose its own nuclear threat. All of which makes me wonder if disdain for following directions and instructions is inherited. When I'm out driving and lost, which happens frequently, and Siri is ignoring me, which has happened a lot in recent months, I think she's going through a rough patch, I resort to the ancient practice of pulling over to ask a stranger for some directional assistance and that normally begins well enough but then as they describe the fourth turn on the left after the traffic light just past the dog and duck I get really bored with listening and switch off while of course nodding appreciatively and smiling. Perhaps sensing my inattention the kindly stranger then repeats the entire list of directions all over again which makes me want to call the Samaritans. But there's more. Recently, we purchased a new TV, so I asked the salesperson, who was apparently nine years old, if I would be able to set the TV up without any assistance. Sir, of course you can, replied the grinning pre-adolescent, and then added, any idiot could set this TV up. Tossing the instructions aside, I struggled for three hours, pausing occasionally for seasons of muttering. What did I actually mutter? It was something like, oh, hallelujah, or, or something like that. I'm not just any idiot, but it seems I am a total idiot. All of this has led me to consider breaking the genealogical chain by taking up reading, digesting, and following instructions. And that applies to life more broadly. It applies to life when we're making decisions, when we are considering the purposes of God for our lives. The Bible is loaded with wisdom that is provided for our direction and not just as fodder to enlarge our information banks. But following directions, following God's directions, requires humility. The starting point is the acknowledgement of our need for God's help and a readiness to respond and obey is vital too. As veteran American broadcaster Ted Koppel wisely said, Moses didn't come down from Mount Sinai with the ten suggestions. When it comes to following instructions, don't be like my mum. Rather, let's all follow the advice of Jesus' mother instead, words that she uttered at a wedding when the wine ran out. She said, whatever he says to you, do it. Sadly, my commitment to survey and obey instructions has been rather short-lived recently, 
we bought an item of furniture, a cupboard which required self-assembly. True to form, I ignored the instructions and triumphantly completed the assembly in record time for me, just two hours of sweat and muttering instead of the usual three hours. And I'm pleased to report that I only had one minor item left over when the assembling was complete. It was a door. Let's read, ingest, heed God's instructions. We've been thinking about guidance, knowing God's will. God's will is good. Let's follow his instructions. Let me end our time tonight by reading these words from Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you are at a junction moment at this point in your life, may you know God's purposes. May you know his will for you is good. May you follow his instructions. Whatever he says to you, do it. Lucas on Life.